You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special mom in your life. And what better way than with the Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets that are perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their advanced eye care duo brightens, awakens, and firms the skin around your eyes, while the golden glow body trio nourishes and smooths the skin all over. Both sets are packaged in giftable boxes. They're so beautiful, you can skip the wrapping. And the best part? For a limited time, you can save up to $46 on Osea's sets. Plus, get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. This Mother's Day, get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off site-wide. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's crazy when you have your first preview performance and then an hour later you have your second and you're getting notes in between and as much as you're trying to make everything stick in your brain, it's hard. Hello and welcome to another edition of Why I'll Never Make It featuring insightful stories and conversations with fellow artists on the realities of a career in the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, and the website is winmepodcast.com. As I've mentioned since the beginning of the season, I'm currently in a production of Footloose on Norwegian Cruise Lines. And so in today's episode, I'm going to talk about the show and the process of putting it together now that we've opened here on the ship. And I'll also be talking with my fellow actor, Megan Hoxie, who plays the role of Ariel in the show. She and I will will talk about what it's like on a cruise ship and specifically the part of the process of taking notes. Obviously, directors, uh, music director, choreographers, they, they're all giving notes constantly throughout the rehearsal process. And especially once we get into the technical dress rehearsal and then opening the show. So we'll dive more specifically into that part of the rehearsal process, taking notes. After that, I'll be addressing listener comments and questions. And then I'll tell you a little bit about what's going to happen at the end of this year and how you can be a part of it. So we've got a lot to cover, and I'm so glad you've joined me for today's episode. At the first part of September, I left New York and joined rehearsals in Tampa at the Norwegian Creative Studios there. Now, the first week of rehearsals was actually for a second show that I'm a part of called Wine Lovers the Musical. Now, basically, it's a combination of a three-course meal mixed with some songs and a lot of information about wines itself. There's seven different wines that are tasted throughout the show. And so that was the first week of rehearsals, just dealing with that show. But then for the remainder three weeks that we were there in Tampa, it was all focused on Footloose. And this is actually the second production of Footloose. The 1.0 cast, as they call it, was the the first part of this year, and we are now the 2.0 cast. And even though they had done the show before, they wanted to incorporate some new changes both in the music. They want to change some of the tracks and how they were produced. And then they also wanted to adjust some of the blocking that they had done as well as the character developments of each of the roles. And so it was the original uh, director, choreographer, assistant director that were a part of this process in basically kind of remounting the show again and and taking what they liked from the first production, adding to it, tweaking this and tweaking that. And so we really got a lot of time 
to go through each scene, to dive into the characters and what they meant for us. You know, we're a new cast and how we were going to portray these characters. And for the first time in my career, I actually did a table read for each scene. Now, obviously, there's the the reading of the whole play or musical that happens uh, in front of some productions. That's actually something that doesn't happen a lot, at least in the rehearsal processes that I've been through over the last several years. But what we would do is before we would even get up and start blocking a scene, we would just do table reads. We would just kind of read through it, dissect what's happening in the scene, what the characters are going through, what they're thinking. And so for like 30, sometimes 45 minutes or so, we would just be sitting and analyzing the scene before doing any blocking whatsoever. And I had never been through a process like that. And I must say, I absolutely loved it. To get the chance to just talk about the characters and get a sense of being on the same page with the director, both getting their ideas. Um, David Rotura was our director, and he was so involved in wanting our collaboration with these characters. And so working with David was really a give-and-take process of going through not only the these table reads of the scene, but then once we got on our feet. And this is pretty much the process that it was like for those three weeks. Now, in my role as Reverend Shaw Moore, I don't do a lot of dancing. So I, I wasn't in a lot of dancing rehearsals, thankfully. It was mostly me with David and his assistant, Eric Jordan Young. And the two of them would really kind of guide and mold us throughout those uh, those rehearsals, especially for the particular scenes. David was more the big picture, kind of figuring out the, the ebb and flow of what the scene was going to happen. Eric was kind of the nuts and bolts guy. He would say, you need to stand here, go here, and also throw in some reminders of what to think about as we went through the scene. So the two of them worked beautifully together. It really was like getting two halves of one brain as far as ways to approach the scene and these characters. And then by the end of it, by the end of that three weeks, was when we did a an, what's called an office run where people from the Norwegian office, as well as the other shows that were in the studios rehearsing at the same time, they could come and watch our final run through of the show there in Tampa. And then a couple of days later, after flying to Los Angeles, we finally joined the ship. The previous cast was signing off of the ship while we were signing onto the ship. And for about five or six days of our time on the ship, those first five or six days were all about installing the show, as they call it, or the tech rehearsal process. It was... Like, if you've ever been through a tech rehearsal, you know it's long hours. You know, the, the 10 out of 12s, as they call it, where it's a 12-hour day and you work 10 hours of it. This was kind of like that, except it was spread out usually over a 16-hour period, sometimes even longer, where we would start at 8 o'clock in the morning, go till about 12 or so, have have lunch, come back till about 4 or 5, then take a break because we didn't have the theater anymore as a guest entertainer or was in there. And then we would come back around 9.30, 10 o'clock to then start rehearsing again. And we would be done somewhere around 12. And that's the process that it was like for those five or six days. Now, the dancers who were in our show also had a show of their own called Elements, which is... It's hard to describe it, but it's kind of a Cirque show mixed with a lot of different styles of dancing and some some vocalists that are a little more in the, the Cirque arena as far as no, no real lyrics, just a lot of sounds and legato held out notes to coincide with what the dancers are doing. And the dancers were also doing some of the work for that show while in rehearsal or tech rehearsal for our show. So they really got the brunt of a lot of it. So we would have eight to ten hours of rehearsal for Footloose, and then they would come back at midnight and do some aerial work and other things for their show. And I remember that there was one night where they finished around one o'clock in the morning because of the hour change. 
And then they had to be back in rehearsal for Footloose at 6.45. So about five hours of sleep, and they were back with us again. It it was, it, yeah, it took a lot out of us who were in Footloose, but those who had to do Footloose and the Elements show, they were... They were burning the candle at both ends as well as in the middle. It was, they were stretched to their limits. And especially once we got into the final dress rehearsal and into our two days of shows, we were all exhausted. But those dancers were really giving it and kudos to them for keeping up with it and giving their all once we opened the show. And the opening basically involved a tech rehearsal that morning. So we would we did the full show, then we took a break and had uh, two shows that evening. Then we came back, had notes, did some more scene work, and and did two more shows the following night. And then we were finally open, and the dancers were then concentrating fully on elements. And myself and a few of us that had been doing wine lovers. We then concentrated on that. So we, we kind of split off and went into our second shows that all of us were doing. And to talk more about the actual process of that tech rehearsal, that install of Footloose, I wanted to bring on my fellow actor, Megan Hoxie. As I said, she plays Ariel in the show. And so we could kind of riff on each other and share our sometimes contrasting experiences with the both the rehearsal process and once we got on the ship. Though we obviously went through the same rehearsal process, it affected us both differently. And she and I kind of get into that. All right, so Megan. Hi. Hi. Thank you for coming on because I wanted to get a perspective of someone else who has done cruise ships but also installed shows like this before. Yes. Because as I was saying, this was a crazy experience, I, I think, compared to other cruise ship installations of a show. Yeah, it's funny. On one hand, it's been crazy in a very different experience and also a little bit more relaxed than what I'm used to in a way. Um, I don't know if like you can relate to this, but usually, so how our rehearsals have been so far is we've just been teching for our first yeah. two weeks. Right. And I'm used to teching as well as doing the safety trainings, doing the onboard trainings in the mornings. Right. Yeah. There's all that cruise ship stuff that yeah. you have to get done. That's part of that, that structure. Mm -hmm. but, but we that... haven't been doing that. Right. We've right. just been teching, which has been crazy tiring in a completely different way than what I'm used to. Cause most yeah, but... of the time you're dying in safety trainings in the morning and then you're making yourself get awake for the thing that you're actually here for. Well, see what, what's interesting. And I think you've experienced this before is that usually there, there's already a cast on board that stays on board. You kind of tech through your show, you figure out what you need to do. They then leave. And the next cruise, your second cruise is when you actually open all the shows. Yes. We didn't get that opportunity. No, that was, that was very surprising when we found out in rehearsals that that was going to be happening. I remember not understanding how that was even going to work because I was like, oh my gosh, like, how are they going to be entertained? But on this ship, the theater is pretty much the only performance venue. And so any guest right. entertainers that are on board are performing in the theater. So you just rearrange the schedule and have those people there first and we just go later in the cruise. Yeah, that's the big reason why we had those 8 a.m. rehearsals mm -hmm. and then 10, 10 p.m. rehearsals that yeah. same day. And that makes a lot of sense when we came in and we were like, why aren't we able to just keep going? Why right. do we have to stop and have these weird breaks? That's the weird thing about, about a cruise ship. And it, because you, you're not just a theater, a physical theater company where you can be in the theater at 10 a.m. and you can just stay there for 12 hours straight. Mm -hmm. You have, you know, excursions to do. You have uh, other guest entertainers. You have movies or whatever else at the. Yeah, there's so um, many activities that they have to plan throughout mm -hmm. the day, like bingo or <laughs> I don't know what else, port shopping. Oh, oh, that's right. That's they right. They have the yeah. lectures that are just random or going through the Panama Canal. They had all of the Shorex stuff explaining the history and the mechanics of how the locks work. And so we can't be in the theater then. No, yeah. we were yeah. doing hair and makeup. Well, at least I was. <laughs> you are a man and, you know, you're afforded 
You know, you know, it, it, it is really interesting because whenever I first started in professional theater, I still had to do makeup. That was always a thing. Really? And, and so it's only in the last, I would say, probably like 10 years ago or so, I had like a show or two every now and then that would say, yeah, just, just natural, no makeup for the men. But now it's across the board. I haven't had to put on makeup unless I had, you know, like a zit that day or something. Yeah. But I've never had to put on makeup for the last like five, six, seven years. I guess that honestly makes sense though, especially with the work that I feel like you've been doing most recently. It's all been very natural things. Whereas, I don't know, like if I were to think of Beauty and the Beast. Of course, you'd be right. in makeup. Right, you got to be a little more exaggerated. In like, like the Music Man, you'd want like a little bit of a rosier cheek. I don't know. That's like for and for Adam's family, I had to have on makeup because I was a dead ancestor. Yeah, you know? so I had to have on makeup for that. I think that was the last time. Yeah, that was the last time they bought like this huge makeup kit. Oh wow! I mean, I had like fourteen brushes. I used two of them. I don't know. <laughs> so right and. I had like so many different shades of makeup and liner and this and that. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. I love that. I love that though. I've never had to do crazy stage makeup before. I've always just been a, you know, pretty simple face or, you know, just like normal glamour makeup. I've never done cats, so I've never had to go into that (laughs) realm. Yeah, to me, that's a whole other level of makeup. Thank goodness we don't have that. Yeah, no thanks. But what we have had this show is the, the director, assistant director, choreographer, you know, all of them were here with us on the ship. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as any process, is giving notes. And I mean, and they they got to see us not just in our opening show, but we had four shows that yes. they got to see, take notes on, as well as all the, the tech rehearsals. And so every day, and sometimes twice a day, they were giving notes on what we had just rehearsed or just performed. And so it was a constant influx of more information every time we were doing a run yeah, or a show. It's crazy when you have your first preview performance and then an hour later you have your second and you're getting notes in between and as much as you're trying to make everything <laughs> stick in your brain, yeah. it's yeah. hard. I ended up for our second day of shows putting all of my notes on sticky notes and oh, hanging them smart. up on yeah. my mirror yeah. so I could see them Either when I was coming back to my dressing room, when I had a moment to change there or grab water or like a fan and cool down, mm-hmm. or I would stick them on the side of the wing where I would be doing a quick change oh, so I could oh, see it thing. before yeah. the scene because otherwise, I mean, I wish I had a magic brain that could hold on to everything, but you know, there's a balance of trying to be in the moment and let go of the old and let the new just come to you mm-hmm. and also remembering the notes that your director gave you and trying to give them what they want to see. Yeah. Because I had to do that with fun home. I, I had sticky notes that, yeah. I, that I had in my mirror, especially the ones that, that I kept getting. I would highlight those. And before every show I would be, okay, remember that, remember that, go there, go there. So I, I think the sticky notes are, are a big plus. The sticky note I feel like has been a big gift to me because I've come to find that I process things and remember things a lot better when I write it down, but I also need it in my face to remind me (laughs) because I need it to get out of my brain to like solidify, but then I need to see it to get back in my brain. You know what I mean? Otherwise I'll feel cloudy if I don't get it out and then I won't remember it. And even then I will come off stage and see that signal and be like, Okay, I didn't do that one. I didn't do that one. (laughs) Missed that one. Did the one after. Not in the right order. Right. Right. But yeah, you you were so right that we were constantly getting these notes from from Mm -hmm. David and and Eric. It it was like trying to incorporate the previous notes while ingesting the current notes and and trying to work on both simultaneously. And I, I, I really feel like those first four shows, I made different mistakes every time. And I incorporated one note and forgot another. And it was, it was a constant. Yeah. There were, Ugh. there were so many cooks in this kitchen this time around, which yes. was amazing because we had so many different interesting perspectives and they each brought something very unique to the table that every time they told me something, it enlightened me. Mm-hmm. Although sometimes I had so much information swirling around in my brain. I was like, okay, I've got to just pick one and I've just got to go for it. Right. Because... Sometimes when you're in that situation, you're like, okay, some all of these things make sense. How do I do all of that in one moment? Which is exactly like David and I went through this conversation so many times. He would give me a note and I'd be like, 
yes, last performance, I thought of that. I was thinking that. I thought I was doing that. And somehow my thought, it never got into my mm-hmm. actions. Or sometimes so you have all those things swirling in your head and you, in that moment, have no idea what you're doing. And you leave the stage and they're like, it was brilliant. That's exactly what I wanted. And you go... What did I do? What did I just do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I hold on to that? What it, what it, what was I thinking? What happened? I got that note. It, we were. I was doing a scene with Ren, and this is like one of the pivotal, like emotional moments, and toward the end of the show, and David said that was perfect. In eight months of doing this show, that's the first time that scene's ever been right. I had no idea. Like the scene finished, I went. Oh God, what did I do? I mean, mm-hmm. I was just mm-hmm. trying to remember. And so, so for that scene, I've just tried to recreate that moment each yeah. and every time. And it's funny though, because when I think about those moments of like when we're struggling and we're going through days of having rough times, how, how much that if we handle it in the proper way, they don't even know like that we're struggling or we're having a tough go at it or like I'm not <laughs> doing it right enough, fast enough. And we just want to get it. And it can feel like you're disappointing the people that you so badly want to impress. Especially these directors, because they were so giving to us. And I and I wanted to do it for them because they would explain it so well mm-hmm. or give me a different perspective and be like, oh my gosh, that, that, that's right. That That's it. That's what I need to do. And you want to do it for them because Eureka, you had a moment and you yeah. want, and then... And yeah. I feel lucky that our creative team, even though that they've done this show before in this venue that they approached it as if it was brand new, fresh, mm-hmm. clean slate. And we were given the opportunity to start from the ground up. And so in that, like to have their enthusiasm of what are your ideas? What is your approach? And like have that much collaboration, which you don't always get when you do cruise ships. A lot of the time when you do yeah. cruise ships, it's, you know, it's the machine. It's the, this is your blocking. This is where you go. This is what you do. Especially with the show that has happened before. Yes. I do feel very fortunate that like we had, an amazing enthusiasm by our creative team to let us learn and explore and to make a completely different show. And in that sense, you know, we were talking earlier about how usually the other cast is on board Mm -hmm. and they are still doing the show in the evening while you are rehearsing during the day. Then I'm somewhat thankful that actually they weren't here because most of the time you see their show and you start to get in there, your head about, oh, maybe that's what he meant. Mm -hmm. And then you try what they did, and then all of a sudden you're losing your own individuality, your creativity, you're losing what you've made that they might absolutely love, but you're getting in your head because they keep giving you notes about Mm. it, which as an artist is so hard because every single time you get up and perform for somebody, it's such an intimate thing. It's so vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You're giving a little piece of yourself away. And every time you get a note... There, there's a special art of removing yourself from the situation as to not get defensive, as to not take it personally, and to not be like, I just wish they, they would tell me exactly what they want so I can just do it. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah, it gets to that point where you've, you've tried this, you've, you've tried to emote this or get into the character this way, and they keep giving you the same note. So then you just, fine, give me the line reading and I'll do it like that. Or gets... you like, I wish I could just watch the other person do it or I wish I could just see someone right. else do it see what they want and then do that when in reality they might actually love who you are and what you're bringing they're just now refining the moment into what you are into what the show is and finding a way to morph those together mm-hmm. and you know you have to remember that doing something um different does not necessarily mean it's bad and different yes. can mean a a million different things, different from what you thought, different from what they thought, different from what the audience may have thought, thought. was going to happen. Yeah, right. exactly. And I think you're so right about it not being a, a personal attack. Even, mm-hmm. even though what we're giving is very personal and emotive, depending on the scene, what we're ultimately giving is is a product to the audience that they can enjoy. You mm-hmm. know, a 90-minute show and... That's all the notes are for, is to make that 90-minute show the best it can be. And while we, yes, want to give our personal best, we can't take it so personally when we need to change something. Yeah, exactly. And and that is a easy thing to say, mm-hmm. not so easy thing to do. Especially when you're getting that note for the second, third, fourth, fifth time. Mm-hmm. And there comes a point where you have to say, this is okay to even feel frustrated. It's okay to have these 
thoughts and these feelings. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to reapproach and say, if I get defensive, if I get that down on myself, that's going to prevent me from pushing past this barrier. And if I can let my ego go, perhaps I'm going to learn something completely new or I'm going to find a new layer, a new depth that I didn't even think was possible. And that's okay. It's okay to say that my initial take at this was not the best. And that's okay because whose first shot is ever the best at most things in life. You know what I mean? Um, And I think that can be a really hard battle as an actor to yeah. to wrestle with. Like, it, it really, really gets at your brain and, like, your sensitive spots because, yeah, it is it is hard. I mean, I come from the belief that you act from a lot of personal experience of, like, well, I would yeah. say it like this. This is how I would feel if this was my situation. And, of course, we do a character study and, you know, you become to know who these people are and sometimes these people are very different from who you are. But a little bit of you is always going to be in there. So anytime you get a note, anytime that you start struggling with the scene, sometimes it can feel like, well, what am I doing wrong? Oh gosh, am I a terrible actor? Have I lost all sorts of instincts? Am it's, I self-indulgent? What's which going is interesting. On? Like during the rehearsal process, I felt like I could be more collaborative. I, I, I felt like, you know, he was open to those ideas. And so when I was trying something, it didn't work. Maybe it did. Then it, it didn't feel as personal almost because we were mm-hmm. both, both me and David were trying to figure out a scene. Whereas once we got into tech, I felt like it started to narrow and, and the options became fewer. So we needed mm-hmm. to kind of hit upon it, you know, cause and we're in so tech. funny because our experiences I would say would be flip flopped because for me during rehearsals, I had such a hard time of, finding the space to collaborate and not necessarily because of anything they were doing, but probably more because of my mental space and how I work is I like structure and I function very well within structure. Mm -hmm. And so if you can give me building blocks or if you can give me a parameter, a guideline, a a sort of general shape, I can create within that. Right. And this was, he, he really did not want, to give us a lot of that at the beginning. No, and so didn't. that was a very big exercise in me of having to force myself to just take the risk and be okay with failing mm-hmm. and not having to know where to start from. And yeah. that became really difficult. I remember there was a, a string of days where I was just like so down on myself because I felt like I had no idea where I was sitting within the show. And I had to have that talk with myself of saying, let yourself feel this way, let go of the ego and just try again. Just keep attacking it and keep going for it. Don't get upset. Don't take it personally and just come back into rehearsals. And I remember like a day or two after having that conversation with myself, really feeling like things started to take a change for the better. Mm. And once we started doing runs and we started doing the show more cohesively, I felt like we had really we had really created something. And then once we were in tech on the ship, it's funny that you say that you started to feel like you were feeling the structure more. Whereas I felt like all of my, my boundaries and my bars were released. Like Hmm. I felt like I had full freedom because I felt like, I don't know, maybe I just felt really like I know who this person is now and I can function really well within it. Um, And then David, even we started reworking, scenes completely differently than how we had been rehearsing them. That was, yeah, that was really interesting. Like to have, have, have had a last dress run or even that, that first show that Mm -hmm. we did and him still working on scenes being like, try this, do that. What, what have you thought of that? Like still kind of digging into what the characters were doing. I'm like, we've just opened. Are we still doing this? And in a way, like I find that fascinating and I really liked that because it, it gave us another opportunity to play and to keep it fresh mm-hmm. um, and to feel the audience in a different way because it was that Plains of Beaumont scene where Ariel asks Ren to kiss her for the first time and he says no. And the way that we did it the first time, the way that we had been doing it in rehearsals was so different when, you know, he denies her right away. Whereas in the way that we are now doing it, it takes her a minute to realize that he's not 
interested in doing that right now. And the way it hits the audience is so, so different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a whole nother thing of as an actor is the satisfaction you get from an audience's response. Like we oftentimes feel silence is a bad thing, but I think something I've learned so much in this show is silence they are so engaged when it's quiet. Well, especially for a cruise ship audience, because mm-hmm. the I mean, this is an older crowd that we're having on a lot of these cruises. But a lot of times you'll get families, kids, and everything. So it'll be interesting once we get younger audiences in. Yeah. How how did? But so far, the quiet means they're listening. It yes. means that they're engaged. They're not walking out. <laughs> you know, and that's they're so actually invested. Because that is the standard or the um the common belief about cruise ships, right? That the audiences don't care. They're not paying attention. They're not really interested. You're kind of performing for, you know, unknowing, unintelligent audiences. Right, because they didn't pay for the show, so they per don't se. Care. Right, so they can come and go where they want. But it's so not true. I have to say from both contracts I've done that these audiences have a lot more to give us than we give them credit for. Yeah. Like they are invested a lot more than you think. And I think half of that comes from you being invested in it as well. Right. Uh, now one thing we haven't gotten into is the fact that you've done Footloose before. You've done the full musical because we only do 90 minutes of it. Yeah. So how how is it comparing and do you think the story is still coming through in 90 minutes? Yeah. So one of my very first performances ever was Footloose. And it was in the community theater. Ah, the community world, yes. Oh, yes, the semi-professional, not professional community theater. Yes, where the medical assistant was coming in after their day of work and rehearsing at night. And all your costumes were from the thrift store. Right, right. (laughs) And you bought them yourself. We had a costume designer, I guess you could call them, and they basically were like, this is the idea that we have for you. Go find it and then bring us some options. Or do you have do you have like a, a light blue denim jean in your closet? And, and, and what about like a plaid shirt mm-hmm. with like the sleeves rolled up? Yeah, let's go with that. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Just bring that in. Just let's bring that how, in. Let's see how that works. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That. So, you know, I costumed myself, which was mm-hmm. fun. Loved that. <laughs> I I costumed myself with a fanny pack. Because I thought that was real fun and quirky because I was playing Rusty. Rusty would have a fanny pack, especially she's, from the 80s. She's a fun gal. She loves to dance. She can't be bothered to put her purse down at the club. Fanny packs are making a comeback. They're, oh. they're back. Oh, I know. I, I didn't realize this till like maybe like six months ago. I'm fixing to get me one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I just went into H&M and, you know, with all the man purses that are mm-hmm. now a thing, they're just everywhere. There's now the fanny pack. Oh, of course. But you don't wear it as a fanny pack. You wear it over the chest. Oh. Oh. Yeah, so you wear it like crossbody and you wear it. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, So I I have seen people wear it, though, you know, with the fanny pack right in front. Mm -hmm. Some wear it as a belt, which is very unique. And then others. See, that's the way they're supposed to be worn. Yes. And some people are going really fashion forward by wearing them like cross the chest. Yeah. And it's basically like, do you remember like the one shoulder backpacks that used to be made oh, like in the I love those and I never got one. Yeah, but that's, I, 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 one. I did have one. Uh, but that's what this fanny pack movement kind of reminds me of. A very, very small version of that with how yes. they're being worn nowadays. Um, so, so Rusty. So yeah, so I pack. played Rusty and I actually had done the show twice at two different theaters and I played Rusty twice. Right. Um, but I have to say that this, you don't miss anything in this 90-minute production. It is so concise, so clean. It moves at just the right pace where you're following the story, but you're not getting any of the fluff. Right. Because this show doesn't really need any more fluff. In the book, it's the story is so tight, and it's it's so real that when told truthfully, which I think David and Nick... And Eric have done so beautifully. You know, you don't need all of the extra dialogue that came in the original script. Mm -hmm. And all the fun stuff you get is naturally built into the songs. So the songs in the show are the high energy, fun. You know, it's what the audience has come for, really. Everyone knows Footloose for, you know, the Kevin Bacon of it all. (laughs) Of course, yeah. And the music and the dancing. 
Um, what they don't know is really how much heart and how much story this show has to offer. And you can't have too much of it because you don't want to lose their interest in between the songs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that they've done a really good job of in cutting down the show into this 90 minute version is you get everything you need in the story and you get the numbers. You get brilliant transitions that they've created that really keep yeah. the story moving. There's never a blackout. No. It, it really just goes scene to scene. There's basically one unit set. Our bridge in our production of Footloose with Norwegian, the bridge functions as a staircase and it comes apart and it simultaneously represents train tracks and the Patani Bridge. And so, so much of the stage is flexible and it changes um, but yeah, in my very first production of Footloose, we also had a big giant staircase that would move all around the stage. So mm. during Holding Out for a Hero, everyone in the cast, because it was so heavy <laughs> and, moved by, and it was in yeah. four by fours, it was it was a large thing. Large piece, um, yeah. Yeah, it was massive. And the four girls, we would ride that thing all around the stage while everyone pushed it and we did not have railings to hold on to. We were just standing up there while they pushed it around the stage, and I thought I was going to die. But you didn't. But I did Thankfully, thankfully. And thankfully now, when I'm being pushed across the staircase on you, stage... You got something to hold on to. I got something to hold on to. Yeah. And, oh my gosh, our set is brilliant. Yeah, it's, it, so it's, it's so simple, and I think the uh, I think projections can be a crutch for some designers, but I think they've utilized it really well in this production. Absolutely. Yeah. I have... The last three shows I have been in have all utilized LED screens. I would say this one has done it the most right. Yes. This is creative. It's not hyper real it's not trying to be anything it isn't um i love the fact that we use a lot of paintings for oh, yeah yeah, yeah our to, projections yeah to just kind of be a landscape behind whatever is happening in the mm-hmm. scene and getting back to your point i think in this 90 minute version nothing is really lost or i i think your arc as ariel i think is really clear as the reverend it's i i go through that journey and so i mean i i don't think they're cutting any corners with character or the stories or what needs to happen the growth that each of the characters go through i don't think they're missing that absolutely i mean i it was something that i remember in my audition speaking about with david is that you know i think this show is really cheap when all you focus on is a boy who comes to town who wants to dance because that's not what the show is about. Mm-mm. The show is about redemption. It's about healing. It's about listening. It's about being heard. It is such a beautifully told story. And you get so much of that from a lot of the other characters besides Ren. Now, I will say, I think our Ren, Ryan, does a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's a really, really excellent actor. And I love having him as a scene partner. But you do get so much of the storytelling from, you know, I I remember seeing the show for the first time and having the revelation of being like, this show isn't about literally anyone else but Shaw. Like, I remember, (laughs) I remember being so infatuated by Shaw's story because he's the person who has the most growth. Such a beautiful story of, you know, having to open his heart and, to be honest with themselves and wrestling with a lot of questions that people wrestle with about religion and family and belief and putting down their defenses and, you know, looking honestly at themselves. And I remember thinking that was so beautiful, even as a, as a young teenager. And I think any production of Footloose that gets it right really hits home in that regard. Mm -hmm. And I think they nailed that. Yeah. And I think you're nailing it. Well, thank too. you. Thank you. I do appreciate that. Which which is partly why all those notes started to frustrate me, I think, toward the toward the end of our process. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I felt like I wasn't getting any of them right. You mm-hmm. know, you, you just start to get in your head. And yeah. so, but it, it's one of those where I had to start trusting the process and trusting their vision and, and what they were seeing and realizing that, you know, the times when I was making it and I didn't need to, like, second guess myself and the times when I wasn't, that it was a little adjustment here and, and then, then it was where it needed to be. Yeah. And I didn't need to overthink it. Or even if like, okay, even if walking off 
from this scene earlier on the show didn't feel good, it's ultimately actually going to make a later scene more effective Mm -hmm. because that didn't feel as good as a person rather than like as the character in the show, which can sometimes feel confusing as an actor (laughs) where it's like you leave and you're like, I don't know how that felt, but like, that's (laughs) kind of the point. Like you shouldn't feel good about what you just did because the audience doesn't feel good about what you just did. And that can sometimes be hard to be like, to tell between does that just feel wrong or did I do something wrong? <laughs> <laughs> right. Because I was an asshole. Does that mean that I was a good actor mm-hmm. or does that mean I did the scene poorly? You know? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it, uh, it can be a fine line. Between yeah, those. no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you. This has been a great conversation. Oh my gosh. It's been so lovely. Thank yeah. you for popping my pod cherry. <laughs> She's blushing. You can't see it, but she's blushing. But you can feel it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love you. You're great. You make me laugh, and I love it so much. Good, good. In addition to Footloose, Megan is also a part of Wine Lovers the Musical. And as you can see, she and I get along very well and have had a great time in rehearsals and on the ship together. Okay, now it's time for a question from Beth, who is a listener in New York, and it's actually about being on a cruise ship. Her question is, for the longest time I've heard that cruise ship shows shouldn't be on a resume because they're seen as less than actual musicals and theater productions. Is that changing now? Should I look at cruise ships as a way to build up my resume? Well, thank you, Beth, for that question. And it seems like from your question, you're trying to figure out what casting directors are looking for. And that's something all of us actors are trying to kind of figure out, get into their heads and see what it is that they're wanting. But um, I think it really depends on the production itself, whether it goes on your resume. I've done a total of 10 different shows across three different cruise ships And only one of those is currently on my resume. The five different shows that I did on Royal Caribbean were all production review shows and don't really fit into my resume. However, the show that I did on Disney Cruise Line, which was Aladdin, I played the part of Jafar, a major character in that. And that is on my resume because it's an actual Disney production of a Disney musical. Footloose will also fall under that category because I'm playing a major character and it's with people who have done Broadway shows and been a part of the New York theater scene. So I think for that reason, Footloose will also go on my resume and will be a good way to to showcase my work that I've done here on the ship. And in the conversation that I had with Megan, she and I actually went into this topic, and I think this might give you some insight into cruise ship life and the productions that happen on the ship. There's the common perception that cruise ship performances and cruise shows are not as good as land shows. The quality is not as good. The production value is not as good. And from my experience and, you know, from other people and other performers who I've talked to who's done ships for years, especially now that more Broadway style shows are getting on board, man, these shows are Broadway quality sometimes better. Like, I know I've seen things on Broadway where I'm like... This could have used a few more months. This <laughs> right? could have used a better designer. And you come on board these ships and you're seeing Broadway. Like these ships can hold the technology, can hold all the pyrotechnics that a Broadway yeah. house can hold, if not more sometimes. Yeah, and over the last five years, they've started to bring in the Broadway directors, the Broadway teams. I mean, the team from Jersey Boys installed the show on, yeah. on the ships, you know, and Jerry Mitchell came on to, to install Kinky Boots because they are just now putting that into Norwegian Cruise Line. So, I mean, they're they're bringing the bigwigs to put in these shows. Now. Yeah, you're working with Broadway professionals, and that's something else about, you know, I've really loved about working with Norwegian is they are bringing in teams that are 
really, really incredible to work with, especially as an American performer, Mm -hmm. because in my past experience, a lot of my directors have been British, which, you know, they are fantastic. And I feel so lucky to have worked with them. However, I don't live in London. Yeah, once you go back to New York, that doesn't really help. exactly. But these people are so connected in our industry and have so much to offer us directly in regards to our industry. And... That's something you don't always get working yeah, at a regional theater. Making a connection is is so vital, especially when you're in New York and people are coming in and out of, you know, that hub of theater. Absolutely. And that's something I'm just so impressed by Norwegian for being able to lock down because they're really, really stepping up the game and the quality of what cruise ships have to offer. And I'm, and I'm hoping that because they're stepping that up, that it will influence how they operate as a theatrical production company not mm-hmm. just a cruise ship that sends out you know because mm-hmm. cruise ships <laughs> yeah because cruise ship companies you know they are learning a lot in the quick amount of time that this industry is expanding with from in regards to broadway shows coming to ships mm-hmm. because yeah they operate in their own little world cruise ships are a bubble they are Absolutely. very very different it's a whole other planet yes because it truly what is. the captain says staff captain and on down mm-hmm. it, they they're the the lord of the land the things that you are required to have when you go on ships that casting has no control over right sometimes it doesn't matter who they want to cast like they have a bad report from an old ship and they can't get hired because they're on the do not hire list now which is very unfortunate but they can't do anything about that because that comes from a captain or a staff captain um but yeah you know i have to say that i'm very impressed by i keep saying this but i'm very impressed by how norwegian is moving with the times like they really do respond in my experience well and better than other companies that I've worked with in the past. Right. And I know some people have had different experiences yeah. um, and on different levels. Yeah, you know? yeah, because having done Royal and Disney and now Norwegian, you know, I can see the differences between them all. And, and they all ran rehearsals and, and installing shows mm-hmm. onto the ship differently. And so they, they, they all have their pluses and minuses. Exactly. They have their pros and cons yeah. where it's, you know, if we could make a perfect world, we'd take this from that contract and this from the other one. Exactly. But, you know, that's the thing about ships is I think the general mentality is you have to, in a way, grin and bear it. Because you, at the end of the day, almost always, you love your job. Because the performance opportunities that you get are amazing. As a performer, it's not so many times that you get to perform an iconic rock musical Mm -hmm. in front of how many, how many passengers can fit in our theater? It's like 850, 870, something like that. Yeah. A packed house with confetti cannons going off and Mm -hmm. living like a, living your dream. Like it's pretty crazy. It's not all the time that you get to have those type of performance opportunities and to get paid that well. Yeah. I mean, I mean, cruise ships pay well and you're really on a vacation. We, we get a lot of time off, Mm -hmm. which is really, really nice, especially on these longer cruises. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, there's a lot of crap to put up with. I'll just put it that way, both on the ship and just in rehearsals, which I think everyone in theater yeah. has to put up with this or that. But I think being on a cruise ship really tests you as a person, not just as an actor, because you have to put up with different people from different nationalities, different ways of management styles, because mm-hmm. every different manager in every different department on the ship is going to treat you or look at you differently. And, and you have to... To keep that smile and be personable and cheerful and try to win over everyone mm-hmm. that you can. And now it's your turn to be a part of the podcast. At the end of next month, in honor of Thanksgiving, I'll be doing another one of these episodes where I will specifically address gratitude and appreciation for the work that we do in the arts. And I would love to hear from you. What What are you most grateful for? What do you appreciate about being in the arts? Go to contact.winmepodcast.com and send me a text or voice message. I'd love to share your stories of thankfulness with all of us in the WinMe community. 
While you're there, check out the new website if you haven't already done so. One of the, one of the comments that I got from the survey I did over the summer was that it was hard to find episodes on the old website. Well, now there is a search bar at the top of the episode's page to make finding a specific guest even easier. As always, thank you for joining me on today's episode, and come back next week when I talk to Janine DeVita about maintaining her work-life balance in this industry, as well as her work with the USO and the military families that she impacts on a daily basis. Until then, I'm Patrick Oliver-Jones reminding you that the reasons for not making it may seem frustrating and arbitrary, but the reasons to keep going are even more numerous and rewarding. I'll see you next time on Why I'll Never Make It. And we're live. Welcome to Why I'll Never Make It with Megan Hoxie and introducing to the pod, Patrick Oliver-Jones. Thank you, Megan. It is so I'm so grateful that, oh, that it's you an honor to have you. That you brought me onto the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.